0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, after a near comeback against the Sacramento Kings in encouraging fashion and a pasting of the Golden State Warriors, we asked the question, are the Toronto Raptors good at offense now? Oh, like because when I shot it, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So. And welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Monday, January the 8th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. I'm on there more because the basketball team's fun to post about again. What a world, baby. Uh, you can also find the show on Instagram at On Raptors. And of course, we have the On Raptors Discord server. It's free to join and it's an awesome spot to come hang out. And the vibes in there could not be better right now as the Toronto Raptors are playing fun basketball. It's not all just spiraling and fake trades and depression. No, it's encouragement. It's excitement. It's uh, optimism for the future. It's great. Hang out. Link in the description. It's free to join. We'd love to see you join us in there. As always, the podcast is free and available. Wherever you get your podcast on the audio side of things, you can subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend. It's much appreciated when you do that. And of course, we are on YouTube too. So you can go subscribe to the channel, hit the little notification bell, and you'll never miss an episode when it goes live, which is perfect for you everydayers out there, which all of you should be at this point because the team is fun to talk about every day. It's a beautiful thing, and we are going to carry that through line. Through today's show, as we welcome in Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet and uh the whole internet, baby. Uh, Damn. Talking cricket, talking all sorts of stuff on all of the various platforms where he does work. We're going to dig into all sorts of fun stuff today after a one in one weekend for the Raptors against the Kings and Warriors. Big V, that was kind of fun, wasn't it?
2: That was very fun, man. That was, uh to me, the most complete uh first half that we've seen, uh, an entire half that mm-hmm. we've seen the Raptors play. And I thought uh after the Warriors gave that punch, which you would expect on their home floor Mm -hmm. in their traditional third quarter way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was really cool uh, that the Raptors gave a punch right back and you had that mini 5-0 run at the end of the third and then uh, an additional 11-3 run uh, to start the fourth. Um, And I thought that was... uh, pivotal and swinging the momentum back and just shows um that there's a whole lot more belief in this team there's a whole lot more trust in this team uh, and it's creating for the good vibes that we were hoping to see this season
1: it's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get into you know the sort of nuts and bolts of the two games over the weekend. The Kings and the Warriors kind of pull our biggest takeaways. I want to talk about the offense, which looks pretty damn good right now. And uh, by the numbers has been one of the best in the NBA in the calendar year 2024, which is, of course, just one week old. We'll have some fun with small sample sizes. We got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up later as well. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start with just the individual brilliance of RJ freaking Barrett in that game against the Warriors last night, coming off of a Kings game where he didn't play a ton in the second half, kind of had some trouble defensively, still very efficient offensively as he's been through four games so far. But against the Warriors, he kind of just takes over. He goes, uh, at one point, he was like five of five from deep. He finishes six of eight from downtown, 37 points, six boards, six assists, zero turnovers. That's notable for RJ Barrett. 13 to 20 overall. Uh, What were your impressions of Barrett's incredible game against the Warriors? And I guess at large, how he is fitting into the construct of this team through four games, maybe how he's differed from the way he played with the Knicks before the trade.
2: I think when you look at just the Warriors game, it was another fast fast start. I think Mm -hmm. that's one thing we've been noticing consistently with RJ is like, he gets up to these strong starts. And the fun thing is, you know, every time he is assertive and sees an opportunity for himself to score, it's like, Oh, there's another guy who can dribble. There's another guy who can get into the paint. Um, There's another guy who can get to the free throw line. And those things are so important for this team. And, uh, you know, Josh Cordonero, who's a scout, uh, mm-hmm. point, pointed out on Twitter how because he's left handed, he's able to attack at full speed and then make a swing over to the corner, you know, whereas maybe, you know, when we watch Pascal drive or Scotty drive or whatever, they've kind of got to pull their body backwards and then make the mm-hmm. swing. Right. And right. so there is that maybe that split second that gets added for a shooter um, and that openness. Uh, and then, obviously, if he does make the pass, he's pretty confident going up uh, at the rim himself. So, I think th- those are the biggest pluses that I'm noticing. Um, I think you know it helps that he's not taking on primary defensive assignments as he was with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're talking about differences, where again, you know, it's that pressure of oh, you're a really high draft pick, like we expect you to be, you know, the third option and defend the opposing team's best player. He has neither of those responsibilities here. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, in terms of hierarchy, he's still behind Pascal and Scotty and quickly, uh ironically <laughs> in mm-hmm. this offense. but uh, when he has a night like this where he's knocking down every three he takes, then you get a thirty six point night thirty seven point
1: night. yeah, man. uh for me, the thing that's really stood out, you know, I, again, I watched a lot of the Knicks in the RJ days before the trade, like just kind of a weird sicko team I liked watching. I don't know why. Look, it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, give me that Knicks basketball when there's all like really pretty basketball happening elsewhere. I don't know. I just really dug into it. And I think for me, the biggest change for RJ is it, it's just a paring down of his responsibilities right I I think on that Knicks team like you mentioned like he was the third option offensively and it's not like there was a ton of other ball handling behind him in the hierarchy either right basically quickly off the bench and that's kind of it and so he was tasked with having to create from a standstill a lot, you know, having to lean on pull-up threes more. I don't know if he's taken a single pull-up three as a Toronto Raptor. I'd have to pull that up. Um, But, like, none popped to mind right now, and that's where he was really kind of dragging down his percentages, of course. He's just kind of in play finisher mode right now, which is great. He's coupling that with being just like a bull in transition. I don't know how many of assists came on the run last night, but I think a lot of his assists so far have come in transition where he's just kind of barreling to the rim, kicking out to shooters and making it work that way. And it's kind of his lane, right? It's like finish plays, you know, late in the clock. If we need you to drive and get something, you can do that and run in transition. And the results have been just a, a really kind of narrowing of the stuff he has to do. And they're not asking him to do stuff that he hasn't had success with in his career. Really? Um, You know, the six assists last night, really impressive. I don't, wouldn't expect that to be a regular number for him by any means. Again, he's going to be more in play finisher mode, but last night everything was flowing. It was really sweet. And, the other thing, too, is you look at this game, Scotty Barnes, probably his worst offensive game of the season. He had a damn good defensive night, Um, you know, kind of sticking with Steph Curry, which not sure I would have had that on my bingo card going into the game, but you'll take it. Uh, But just six points for him, three Yeah. Looked a little, yeah. <laughs> looked <laughs> little out of sorts on the offensive end. You know, Pascal Siakam, just 11 shot attempts in this game. He gets 16 points because he's been hilariously efficient of late. Um, And so you get him a little bit worked in there quickly, just nine points, like bear it and quickly make it. So it doesn't have to all be on Siakam and Barnes the way it has been for the most part this season. And while yeah, like the raw usage numbers for guys might dip a little bit, the health of the team is unquestionably better right now. And it, it just allows you to survive games where you don't get big star like nights from your best players. It's a pretty awesome thing, man. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm just really impressed with the way everyone's kind of just like slotted into their roles, and it feels like there's very clear role definition with this team. What did you make of the – you mentioned the start of the fourth quarter, the sort of Barrett and Schroeder-led bench-heavy lineup. They had Porter in there for a second, then they swapped in Yaka Pirtle, basically put the game away, didn't have to bring Scotty or Pascal back. Um, what were your impressions of that lineup, and do you think they that's maybe something to lean on going forward, Barrett as kind of a second-unit play finisher, and sort of secondary creator next to Dennis Schroeder with the the, the other bench guys who are playing damn well right now.
2: Yeah, I I thought it was a really interesting combo. I think, you know, obviously the Warriors have their own set of problems right now and boy, oh boy, do they ever (laughs) chief among them is not having uh, Chris Paul available, not having Draymond Green available. And so you could see uh, the lack of playmaking in there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I tweeted this out as well. The toll that they're putting on Steph right now is just insane. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. he's yeah, so he's shot like thirty-five percent or worse in uh sorry, thirty-seven percent or worse in uh four of his last six games. And he did that seven times in fifty-six games last season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um it shows that it's definitely taking a toll. Um, obviously, Scotty did a really good job in this one defensively. But yeah, coming back to that that fourth quarter, um, Chris Boucher
1: is back. <laughs> He's Back, baby. He's back, and yeah,
2: and skyrocketing
1: I, I think, up the trade value boards.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think um, you know, as we see well, with most bench players, when <clears throat> you have a more functional unit around them, when you have better players around them. Uh, they tend to perform better. And I think Chris mm-hmm. Boucher now in uh, a role where he just gets to, you know, be a maniac running around on defense, <clears throat> be a maniac around the basket on offense. He can be himself and be extremely productive.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, if you had told me even a week ago that the Raptors were going to find success with lineups that feature none of Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and Emmanuel quickly, I would have said, hmm, why are they trying those lineups? That seems bad. But again, RJ Barrett, Dennis Schroeder in this new role, which I'm gonna get into a little bit later. Um, and you know, the revitalized Chris Boucher, Gary Trent Jr. playing good ball. Like it's just they have like a functional nine-man rotation again, and the extra depth provided by getting both Barrett and Quickly back just for OG in the rotation, like that is pretty substantial stuff. We're going to come back on the other side, talk about something else that's been substantial, which is the Toronto Raptors offensive potency. Are they just a good offense now? We will examine that coming up in just one second. What a question that is to ask about the Toronto Raptors post-NBA championship. We will get to that coming up in a hot sec. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time, the single best place to go and buy tickets for your next sporting event, concert, comedy show, theater event, whatever it might be. They take the the guessing and the questions out of buying tickets it's a wonderful thing i've used game time a ton in the last year i used it when i was in seattle over the the summer i got tickets for a, a mariners game well in advance and then i got tickets for a seattle storm game literally standing at the door of the entrance i pulled up the site i grabbed tickets for like six bucks a pop right before the game time and i got in there lower bowl seats they were awesome sitting among the season ticket holders for very very cheap because gametime has those last minute deals. they are fantastic. and with the game time guarantee, you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference. There's no reason not to use game time to get your tickets. Download the gametime app, create an account, use the code locked on for 20 bucks off your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on for20 dollars off. Download game time today. last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
3: No matter what moves you made last year,
1: And we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Big V, Vivek Jacob is here as we dig into a fun weekend of one and one Raptors basketball. Uh, probably, I would say, the best offensive weekend the Toronto Raptors have had all season long. Arguably the two best offensive games that they've played in succession all year. It's very exciting stuff. So the question I have for you, Big V, as we kick off segment two here is... Are the Toronto Raptors just good at offense now? And and let me give you a little bit of uh, sort of small sample theater to help inform your thoughts here. Since January 1st, so a week, yes, it's not that much time, the Toronto Raptors are second in offensive rating per Clean the Glass. Second behind only... The Denver Nuggets. And by the way, watching Nikola Jokic do an art game last night, uh, only taking three shots and having 16 assists against the Pistons, beautiful stuff. Had to get that in there. Uh, But they are second in offense per clean the glass since the trade over four games. They are sixth in half-court offense, Big V. There's a single-digit number in front of the Raptors' half-court offensive rating. That is not a thing that has happened to the Raptors in quite some time. They've been lights out in transition last night. They were just devastating. I think 187.5 transition offensive rating against the Warriors last night. Boy, the Warriors might be kind of bad. Um, To me, this offense has been totally transformed by the mostly arrival of Emmanuel quickly in his vertical spacing. But obviously Barrett's play finishing has been fantastic as well. He's shooting the lights out. That's going to help. But are the Toronto Raptors just a good offense now, Big V? How much do you think this can hold up? How much can this hold up? I'm not
2: sure. Uh, I think we got to wait and see a bigger sample size. Like, you know, is RJ going to start games five for five from three and just absolutely shoot (laughs) the lights out every game? I don't think so. (laughs) So uh, is he going to have zero turnovers every game? I don't think so. Um, So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, I I do think that will be a drop off. Well, are they a functional offense now? I would like to think so. Um, Hmm. And I think that is a sight for sore eyes for all Raptors fans. I think that's a big plus. Uh, this was kind of going to be in my home, but I, I might as well drop it in here uh, to counter uh, the point about how good the offense looks. While mm-hmm. they are fourth in effective field goal percentage since Jan 1st, mm-hmm. uh, Clean and Glass also has a location effective field goal percentage, uh, mm-hmm. which basically normalizes, you know, if you shot league average from these different spots on the floor for each team, where would you then rank? And in that, the Raptors rank 29th. So
1: That's that mid-range dependence, (laughs) baby. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, And so I think, you know, uh, when you see some better opponents as well, uh, Mm. I think, you know, you'll be presented with different challenges. And so, yeah. Are, Are they a functional offense now? I think so. Are they the second best offense in the league?
1: No. I think that's probably a fair assumption. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think they're the second best offense in the league either. I don't think they're the sixth best half court offense in the league, but do I think they can be upper half in both? I don't think that's crazy. I, I think the way quickly has just sort of transformed the way this team can play offense, the way they run their sets, they were running a lot of sets, you know, from the elbows, all sorts of different stuff where they were trying to incorporate Yaka Purtle this season, Scotty Barnes from the elbows too. They were running a lot of that stuff but they weren't getting advantages out of it because there's just no shooting gravity on the floor quickly brings legitimate real shooting gravity and i think the thing that's really popped off to me is they're running those little split cuts with or split actions with quickly and see kind of screening for one another down low And it's creating all sorts of havoc for defenses because they got a track quickly going out to the three point line where he's just been running wide open and free for open looks and see Occam's moving towards the rim where he's an absolute monster getting deep seals and scoring underneath like that type of stuff. You just couldn't run that with Dennis Schroeder, for example, where no one cares about Dennis Schroeder shooting. And the same goes for even for like Gary Trent Jr., who's just not as dynamic and horrifying a guy to let loose as quickly seems to be. Um, I also think just the diversity of their offense is a really big thing here, right? Like it was so dependent on Scotty and Pascal to be involved in the primary action before the trade, you know, we were getting so mad about Dennis Schroeder constantly leading the team in touches, running the most pick and rolls, having so much to do with how the offense was flowing because those possessions weren't gleaning a whole lot. And it really felt like the best possessions were Scotty Pascal ones. Now you can run a quickly Yaka Pirtle pick and roll without Scotty or Pascal really involved. And you bring them in over the course of the progression of the possession and you just kind of amplify your advantages over and over again. It's just an offense with way more different things to do and stuff to throw at the defense to make them think. And again, it's not just Emmanuel quickly, obviously. Like, I think the way Dennis Schroeder's played off the bench has really changed things. Barrett's been awesome. But pull-up shooting, man, in the year of our Lord 2024 – It's like the single most important skill to unlocking an NBA modern offense and quickly has brought that. He's brought the catch and shoot and the movement and all of that. I'd actually like to see him pull up a little bit more. It feels like he's been a little hesitant to do that at times when he's had the lane to do it. Um, But that just shooting gravity and shooting threat is just so unbelievably important to running functional offense in today's day and age. Let me ask you this, Big V. If you were to kind of put it over, I'll put the over under on it. The Toronto Raptors from January 1st to the end of the season will knock out the first part of the year. That's going to cloud, obviously, the season long rankings. But if I was to set the over under at 11.5 as the ranking of the Toronto Raptors offense between the 1st of January and the end of the season, factoring in they're really good in transition still. They are leading the NBA in transition frequency as well. Seem finished 12th in offense last season when they kind of looked like ass the entire time. Um, Would you take the over on the Raptors finishing? I guess the over here is 11th or better. The under is 12th or worse. If I said it 11 and a half, what are you taking here?
2: It's so funny. I I, I started smiling because as soon as you started proposing the idea before you even said the over under in my head I was thinking 12th or
1: 13th <laughs> <laughs> that's baby we got simpatico baby we've been doing this for a long time we got that telepathy 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 I don't know <laughs> Talk, keep talking I'll shut up so uh, so I will telepathy say- Telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, think, I think that's the right pronunciation anyway. so I will take the under but just okay. barely okay but
2: I think if you asked Raptors fans right now if this team was the 12th best offense or the 13th best offense the rest of the way, would you take it? They absolutely would. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you're going you to have nights like this against Golden State where everything clicks and looks great. Um, But, you know, I think uh, against the Kings, for example, in the latter half of that second quarter, you kind of saw where there can be some issues. You saw we saw... Um, who is it closing out? Um, what was the second game they played?
1: Uh, the Warriors game. Oh, the Grizzlies. Sorry, yeah. there we go. The Grizzlies, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. closing out that game down the stretch, there were some growing pains and some clutch issues. Yeah. Um, so we might still see things like that. Uh, and so, yeah, usually you know, top 10 offense. Um, you know, here and there, you'll get the team that you know, just completely overhauled the offense and as you know changed up their personnel completely and the raptors might fall in that category uh but usually it's the teams that have that continuity and chemistry um and have kind of been doing it consistently so i will put them in that you know 12 13 range for now what about you
1: yeah i think i'll take the slight over like 11th or 10th i think is very doable and I, again i think a lot of that will be buoyed by transition i would bet they probably finish between like 14th and 18th from the first on in half court offense but i think their transition is just so bloody good and is even better now with rj barrett kind of steamrolling his way ahead and quickly obviously with those hit ahead passes has been pretty awesome as well um i think they just have the juice to buoy their offensive numbers pretty substantially so yeah i'll say over and say they finish like somewhere between 9th and 11th probably um But yeah, it's just nice to have a team that can like run functional offense and not get bogged down and also not have stretches of games where their offense can't get anything going because they don't have enough creation on the floor. We talked about the bench lineup like the bench lineups since the trade have been nails and they've been winning their minutes and they've been keeping the offense alive even when the defense has maybe not been so great. You have Jonte Porter. out there hitting two threes against the Kings and it's like, okay, like this is like sustainable in a way that i think these sort of helter-skelter lean on seven guys and hope that um everyone can kind of you know you can stagger your guys enough to have enough offensive juice on the floor at all times they don't feel like they're desperate to have ball handling or offensive engines on the floor at this point, which is really just like a stark change. The defense will have to come along. I think it's 20 seconds since the trade. It's not like they're, they're world beaters. They played some tough offenses, obviously. Um, you know, the Grizzlies had an insane shooting night, especially from their role guys and sort of guys you wouldn't expect, you know, Zaire Williams. Yeah. Shout out Zaire, man. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, who like does not pass the, you think it's going in test, but had an incredible game in that, that one. Um, Um, But yeah, like that'll stabilize too, I would imagine. I think their defensive process has been better. They've looked sharper, more tuned in as well. So I think the defense will probably pop up a little bit. The the offense probably slides down a little, but right now there's a recipe for like a functional and maybe even sort of good basketball team right now. And that is pretty thrilling. Uh, We'll come back on the other side. Speaking of sort of good, we're going to do the good, the bad, and the hmm from the weekend that was thing we liked, thing thing we didn't like, thing that's got us a little intrigued from the weekend we just saw. We will get to all that coming up in just one sec. But first, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the single best place for you to go and wager some bucks if you are into that kind of thing. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You've also got uh the the explore tab in the app where you can go and find bets that you want to maybe you didn't even think about but you go to the explore tab it's like oh that looks like fun maybe i'll throw a little money down on that there's the parlay hub as well where you can find the best popular parlays that people are are throwing their scratch down on uh, i do like this live same game parlay i'm not much of a sports wagerer myself but when i'm at a game in person i like to throw a little money down and a same game parlay on the game i'm watching is always a fun thing to do so maybe you want to go ahead and do that obviously they have all your standards like spreads uh you know money lines all that good stuff as well that you can go and peruse over on the fan website so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl
0: Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: Okay, rounding out today's show with the good, the bad, and the hmm, a thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us a little intrigued from the most recent pair of Toronto Raptors games. Before we do that, however, though, just a reminder, Locked On Sports Today 24-7 is our daily streaming feed 24 seven of locked on podcast. we got all the national shows covering the biggest stories today. If you're an NFL fan, probably a big day to go check them out. I think it was the last day of the regular season yesterday. I don't actually know because I don't watch football, but uh, if you do, it's all covered for you over there on lockdown sports, 24 seven, you can also find all of the local podcasts covering the biggest stories in sports streamed over there as well. A great thing to just put on in the background while you're working or something like that. The locked on sports today, 24 seven channel, go subscribe. All right Big V, let's round it out. The good, the bad, the hmm. Uh, what you got for your good from the weekend that it was from your Toronto Raptors?
2: Honestly, I'm going to go with RJ. Like, okay. You you look at everything that's happened since the trade, uh the efficiency is the biggest thing. And I think uh we've seen, you know, some of the uh glaring bad decisions that he can make from time to time. But I think overall, since he's come over, uh, it's been extremely enjoyable. And I think uh, you know the shooting is not sustainable. But uh, I think there. Like Whoa! We're
1: you know, looks... getting auto plays here, man. You're gonna get his copyright trouble.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was pulling up RJ's splits, <laughs> and then. And then Bobby Marks just showed up out of nowhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Bobby, he, he, he'll do that. Yeah. He'll just appear and make really hilarious trades. Yeah. Uh.
2: Yeah. No, he shot he shot 50% or better in three of the four games. He's shooting uh, just bonkers from three. Obviously, we'll see that normalize. But yeah, I think the efficiency on offense is the biggest thing. Um, and yeah, if this continues um, efficiency wise, uh, mm-hmm. not at this level, but even just like a a slight notch below this is a pretty good player the Raptors have picked up along with Emmanuel quickly
1: toxic asset man I don't know he's uh he's he's just terrible he doesn't shoot he doesn't have efficiency off the charts so he's a bad player or something like I don't know people love to really be dumb about stuff don't they uh my good Jonte Porter Baby, he's getting the games and he's doing some stuff. Really, really good work from him in that Kings game. Yaka Purdle with some foul trouble, and Porter comes in. And look, Demata Sabonis is going to ruin your day once in a while. That's what he does. He did that to basically everyone on the Toronto Raptors in that game at one point or another. But I thought overall, you know, the fact that you can get a couple threes from him is massive. And I do think for me, the thing that's really popping for me is the passing. And specifically the passing off of offensive rebounds. He'll grab the offensive board and just is able to find the open dude despite being kind of surrounded by the trees there's some passing vision there from Porter. That's pretty interesting. He's made a couple of nice plays on the short roll and stuff like that as well. Um, Pretty interesting stuff. You know, the defensive foot speed I think is going to be the limiting factor there. There There's some moments in that Kings game where it wasn't so hot. I don't think he was as good in the game against the Warriors, but having him come in and play 12 to 15 minutes of pretty reliable backup center, you'll take that, all day long and uh I'm excited he's getting some run here good for him it's been a long story getting back to the nba go read Blake's feature on him at sportsnet on friday as well um to kind of get a feel of just how close he was to not playing basketball anymore pretty cool story and uh pretty useful ninth man for the toronto raptors as of right now um very very good stuff what is your bad from the weekend so
2: it's it's hard to pick out a bad um mm-hmm. with the way things have gone with the raptors post trade but I am going to go with the TSN halftime show of this game against the Warriors. And Mm -hmm. I was just, the Raptors have played the most perfect half that they've played all season. Mm -hmm. Um, And to have the opening segment be about, you know, hey, maybe Pascal's out the door. um, That was disappointing. And that was unnecessary. Like... We get it. There's this picture going viral of Maasai talking to Mike Dunleavy Jr. But Guy who does same job as other guy has conversation. Wow! <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that was unnecessary. Um, just enjoy the game. Um, and, you know, maybe let's enjoy this team uh, mm-hmm. for as long as it lasts. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh that's funny cuz we did not confer beforehand, but my bad is just the broad transaction industrial complex. Uh like we got to get a grip with this stuff, man. The the Dunleavy Maasai picture, like who cares? Uh they're again, they have the, they're they run the teams and they talk about stuff that happens, man. Like this is not news, and if you think this is news, I I, I don't know how to help you. Also, like, Friday with the Shams Kings reporting, that was whack. Like, oh, the Kings are serious suitors. Only for two hours later to be like, the Kings are out. Like, give some context. Are the Kings serious suitors? The only thing that makes them serious suitors is if Keegan Murray's on the table. If he's not, then they're not serious suitors. It's just kind of black and white like that, I would argue. And so, like, give us some context there. If Keegan Murray's not on the table, then they're not serious. So stop using that language. It's just, we are getting so beyond the pale with the like the constant urge for every single thing to be some sort of inkling that a trade is coming. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a Pascal trade before the deadline. I think they're going to get themselves this runway here. And frankly, I think right now it's probably trending toward them extending him because the team looks pretty good, and I still don't really see the team out there that's going to go all in on a package to make it worthwhile for the Raptors, even though they've had this sort of longstanding trying to nudge Siakam out the door. They've also done this with like Kyle Lowry in the past. There were like five different times where there was almost a divorce there. And they always ended up keeping him because keeping him was preferable to dropping him for nothing. And so I think it's all probably going to be for not in the end. Anyway, there was more to basketball than the trade talks. That is my Ted talk. Thank you. Um, let's go to the, hmm. what you got for your, Hmm.
2: Yeah. So initially I was going to go with that location effective field goal percentage, but I will go to the defense. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, there's been a lot of positive signs about the offense, but is the defense uh, this bad? Uh, And is, you know, for example, the 21st uh, ranking in defensive efficiency 120.4, you would obviously like to see that come down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think uh, we've seen um, a game like this against the Warriors, where you can be very effective, but again, you, you have to factor in that the Warriors didn't have the usual playmaking that they do. Um, and, you know, maybe Steve Kerr was hoping for a bit of magic, you know, that typical Wiggins magic that he seems to find against uh, the Raptors and the Wolves. <laughs> and so <laughs> decides to start him. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Memphis was on the second night of a back-to-back, uh, like they were playing the, the second night of a back-to-back. And so mm-hmm. I, I think things like that, you want to see a lot larger sample and then judge. So I'm still in that phase of what the defense really looks like. But I will say it is just nice that they are able to defend in the half court more often. Just yeah. by virtue of having a more functional offense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, 17th in half court defensive rating since the trade. Uh, not amazing. They're 26th in putback back points per play allowed that's been kind of killing them and maybe that's just a symptom of uh like kavon looney and Demontis sabonis being two of the best offensive rebounders in basketball uh we'll see if that stabilizes a little bit but the defensive rebounding left something to be desired which is interesting because like i don't think og was necessarily adding a ton to their rebounding acumen when he was out there either so definitely to keep an eye on that A worthy hmm my hmm emmanuel quickly's playmaking is i think already kind of beyond where i thought it might be over the weekend eight assists three turnovers on friday against the kings last night against the warriors 10 assists zero turnovers doing it in a lot of different ways as well. You got live dribble dr- live dribble pick and roll creation. There was that one uh where he comes around the screen to the left, throws a lefty pass with the live dribble to Pascal for the three early on in that game against the Warriors. Um you're seeing him with those hit ahead passes really kind of just lofting them right where guys can finish on the run. Um the Kyle Lowry impression. Hey, he Pascal. <laughs> Dude, I I I thought that last night and a tear came to my eye a little bit. It was fantastic. Um, and I think you can also see there's still the figuring out process. Obviously, I think him and Scotty like that duo is going to have some serious juice if you're looking for something to counter the location effective field goal percentage argument to go against the offense. I think as the Scotty IQ duo really kind of finds its ground, that's going to really amp up the the juice for the offense as well. We saw lots of examples of it in the Kings game where they just play beautifully off one another. That's Scotty, uh, like cross court kick out from the post to IQ for the three just like left me weak in the knees. It was thrilling. Um, but yeah, I think you can see IQ has a finger on the pulse of what's happening. And even when he's not necessarily like setting things up directly, there were a couple moments last night where you could see him kind of standing up kind of just like directing traffic in the offense from the top of the arc while it's kind of flowing around. And there was one instance where I think RJ had Steph on him down in the corner and like quickly, he's just like get it over there, get it over there, get it over. Like he's got a like a real sort of handle on okay, this is the thing we can exploit on this possession, and that's really encouraging for a guy who I think everybody assumed was going to need to uptick the playmaking side of things to really kind of step into whatever role the Raptors were going to ask him to eventually kind of morph into. And I think he's already had to schedule on the playmaking stuff. Really encouraging stuff there. That's my point, point. Yeah, just quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're just gonna have to accept that his name is both a name and an adverb and whatever <laughs> his communication
2: is really good yeah right yeah, like when time. he sees stuff he's calling it out for guys on both ends of the floor and mm-hmm. i think that is something that is a huge positive for this team um and you know just being vocal in general uh as the floor general is a big plus <laughs>
1: Hundred percent. Uh very excited for the Lakers and Clippers back to back. I think we'll be we're we'll gonna learn a lot more stuff. I feel like every gamer learns stuff about this new group, and it's very fun. Um speaking of fun, this was a blast, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. Uh anything we can do to promote your good work out there? What you got?
2: Usual stuff, man. Sportsnet. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek
1: Hell yeah, man. Uh, everyone go find all Big V's great work. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Follow, subscribe to, rate, review. Uh, lots of stuff on tap for this week. I'll be on Locked on Kings, uh, recording that later on today. So probably posting tomorrow, I would guess. Uh, mostly talking about why I don't think a Pascal Siakam to the Kings trade is going to happen and why I frankly don't think the Kings should do it. Um, but we'll you'll have that to listen to if you want to check that. that feed out. We will have... Uh, lots of great guests, some first-timers this week. That I don't want to quite spoil it just yet, but we got some fun stuff coming up this week as well. So keep an eye out there. We'll, of course, break down the games against the uh, Lakers and the Clippers and all that jazz, uh, and also the Jazz. I guess they play them later this week too. Wow, look at that. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for hanging. Talk to you Tuesday. Bye-bye. Extend Pascal Siakam now.